Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing today? We're in the middle of a series called Reasons to Believe. Alan started it two weeks ago, talked about reasons to believe in God. Uh, I spoke last week talking about reasons to believe the Bible. And I actually only gave about half of my lesson. If you look in your notes, I believe the first half of the blanks are already filled in for you because I talked about them last week. And uh, this week we're going to continue on with that lesson. And guys, just as we begin, I really want to emphasize that we are to be people of faith. I believe the verse is in your notes right at the top, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And faith, by definition in Hebrews 11.1, 1, is being sure of what you hope for, and certain of what you cannot see. Whether you realize it or not, you live your day, your life, by faith, in so many ways that you don't even recognize. Okay? Things happen. You believe in electricity, and I guarantee you, very few of us in this room can tell us how it works. Okay? The same with we get up in the morning and go get in our car. And we have very little idea how an internal combustion engine works or fuel injection. But we have faith that it's going to do it. Can't tell you how it's going to happen. We know a few things. We know we got to have gas. We know we got to turn on the key. We know we need a driver. Well, for now anyway, you need a driver. And we just believe. We can't explain it. I'll go on further. There's 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 a line been drawn in this country. I talked a little bit about last week about this latest uh, Supreme Court appointee and the accusations against him. And you talk to people, and they're going to be on one side or the other. And I, I challenge you to consider this: that both sides of that argument, okay, have made a judgment on faith. The Democrats on the left have made a judgment that this woman is correct based off her word. There's no videotape evidence. There's no corroborating evidence. While those on the right take it on faith when he says he didn't do it. And I know that both of those groups start in one place or another. But guys, and I believe there's many of us in this room who have made a decision on that. That's faith, guys. You may be right, you may be wrong in that situation, but that's faith. You believe something that you cannot prove. And guys, we have faith. That is what God expects us to have. That is the way God has structured the world and has structured our knowledge of Him. He tells us of His existence, but He doesn't tell us everything. And He wants us to believe what He says, what He's told us, he wants to believe, to believe with, by looking around, it says that creation is evidence of his existence. That's not irrefutable proof. And guys, we are supposed to be people of faith. Last week we talked about the Bible and the accuracy of the Bible, and we talked about it pretty much as a historical document, the accuracy of it, uh, how it is, uh, it, th- there are translations. What we read in English is a translation. It was, The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. And we can go back to manuscripts that are written in those languages 
They're not the original copies, but they have an incredible degree of accuracy. You guys, I want to tell you real quick before I go on any further, uh, Aaron Franklin has done me a favor. Wave at me, Aaron, so everybody knows who Aaron is. Hi, Aaron. Thank you. Aaron is going to provide a bibliography of the things I had to say last week. Okay, This setting is not one that's good for going through sources and, and documenting everything. And hopefully, there's many of you who are interested in saying, well, what Gary said is true. It, it, you know, he, I made a lot of statements last week that I researched and I believe are true. Well, you want to know where they came from? Aaron's going to document those for us. And so, guys, we want you to go back and look at it. We, we encourage you to. Archaeology supports the Bible. There is multiple, multiple stories of the Bible that archaeology supports. And guys, we talked about that as a historical document. We talked about things where in the book of Job, it talks about the earth hangs on nothing. Long before telescopes, long before satellites, it's revealed. The same is true about the the currents in the ocean. That it says there are paths in the sea. And guys, we look at all that and we talk about all that and we, we talk primarily. And then I concluded, before I broke off the lesson, I used a quote, uh, that I, that I, that I got out of the Huffington Post. It is by a believer in Jesus. Uh, he is a, a, a minister, uh, with a different denomination. But it says, this is his quote. He says, for this reason, the Bible is filled with testimony, witness, confession, and even propaganda. Does it contain some reliable historical information? Of that, there is little doubt. Yet whenever we stumble upon verifiable facts, a notion largely unknown to ancient writers, we should keep in mind that the biblical authors deployed them not to make a logical argument, but rather to persuade their audiences of a larger truth that cannot be proved in a laboratory, but is finally accepted or not accepted based on its ability to offer a compelling story about the meaning and the purpose of the world, God, humanity, and everything in between. And guys, what he's saying there, in, in using different words, is the Bible is not intended to be a history book, though there's history there. It's not intended to be a science book, though there is some scientific fact there, not nearly as much as the history. What it is intended to do is to create faith. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10, I believe it's verse 17, that talks that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. God's Word to us and the Bible's claim is that it is to create faith in the God of the world. The Creator of the world. And guys, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You see, because that's what it really boils down to. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about the Bible and about God for you. Unless you're going to trust your faith to somebody else. What matters is what you individually believe. 
And I'm not saying that, oh, we all have our own little religion, our own little, little faith. We can all each, each his own, many paths to the same place. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, when you stand before God on judgment day, He's not going to ask you what the experts thought. He's not going to ask you what your preacher thought. He's not going to ask you what your brother, your mother, your sister thought and believed. For one, he already knows. (laughs) You're going to have to answer for yourself. And so guys, that's what really matters. You have to make a decision. Do I believe this Bible is accurate? But then also, guys, you have to make the decision, do I believe it's the Word of God? And that's what we want to talk about here today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18-25, through this is what it says. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Guys, I wanted to read that passage because when we talk about being people of faith, you need to understand something. Real faith that God wants is foolishness to the world around us. Okay, that is just plain as day. When you talk to somebody who's looking at it strictly from a philosophical point or a scientific point, what we believe looks foolish to them. I say that because you should expect it. You should expect it because we are looking at understanding the world in a way that they cannot begin to define and begin to explain. So let's get into the lesson. I'll know that the Bible is God's Word when I... Number one, examine what it says. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? See guys, but here's the thing. I I want to emphasize that word examine. Maybe you want to circle that word examine. I didn't say read. Okay? There's a difference between reading and examining. Examining requires reading. But you can read alone without examining. Why do I say that? Well, guys, look at this passage in John chapter 5. Jesus talking to the religious people of the day. 
He says, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me to have life. See guys, what is he saying? You know the Scriptures. That's what he's telling these religious people of the day. They were the religious experts. The educated. The PhDs of their day. He's telling them, you know the Scriptures, but what is he also telling them? You don't get it. You're missing it. They talk about me coming and you've missed it. You see, guys, there's a difference between even studying and examining. And guys, it needs to be something that you have a commitment to do. We've talked about it before, that the typical Christian in America, I believe, waits to be told what to believe by their church, by their preacher, by the guy on the radio. I mean Christian radio when I say that. But guys, there's not enough examining, in my opinion, going on. I've been guilty of this. And guys, it's something you've got to do. You've read this passage before in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. This is what it says. It says, now the Bereans, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You want to know that the Bible is the Word of God? You need to examine it. What's the result here with these people that examine it? They come to faith. They become believers. That's the first thing. The second thing, guys... If I want to know the Bible's the Word of God, is you need to test what it says. Okay? Test what it says. What does that mean to test? It means you put it into action. You're not going to be, you're not going to be given a written test on the day of judgment. You know that? Or after you die, there's not a written test. You're taking the test right now. And guys, you need to test what it says. Here in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, God is giving word to the Jewish nation at this time, and they're not doing what He has to say. And He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Can I tell you God wants to be tested like this? I know I know Jesus said not to put the Lord God to the test. Okay? That means you're not going to tell him prove it to me the way I want to be proved to. What God has said is here, I've revealed myself to you. I've given you my promises. Now you test me and see if my promises aren't true. You see, guys, there are promises all through the Bible. There's a promise, if we seek, we will find. There's a promise that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. 
There's a promise that if we do not worry about the needs of this life, that God will provide for us. And you see, guys, it's a matter of testing Him. I spoke to a brother this week, not from here in this congregation, rather somewhere else, and he was asking me, he is, he's, he's my age, ballpark my age, and he's fallen into a hole that a number of middle-aged men fall into when they are forced into a career change. He was laid off from his dream job, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. It was a while back. And uh, he finally landed a good job. And it was about three years ago, two, three years ago. That company uh, completely just, they just closed the doors. After 40 or 50 years, they closed the door and he lost his job. And do you know what it's like for a guy 55, 56 years old to go looking for a job making what he's used to making? It's very difficult. And he has a wife, and he has a child, and he has a house, and he has a mortgage payment. And he says, right now I'm living paycheck to paycheck. He's not used to that. And he's asking me, how do I let go of the stress? How do I let go of the worry? How do I get not get angry that I can't take care of my yard the way I want to because I have to work to pay my bills? And as I looked him in the eye, and I know he's a man of faith. I know he wants to believe he wouldn't be asking me the question. I said, you could just have the most wonderful opportunity to test God. You choose not to worry. And you watch God provide for you. You choose it. You choose to do it. Guys, most likely, the Bible calls this testing obedience. You read what the Bible says to do and you do it. Third thing, and that leads us to the third point. I will find out that the Bible is really God's Word when I choose to obey God. I know that goes kind of hand in hand with what I just said, but really I'm just trying to get more specific to what the testing is all about. I love this passage in John chapter 7. Let me just say something, guys. Most of the time, we want God to meet us on our terms. You know, God, if you provide for me the way I want you to provide for me, then I'll believe in you. If you take care of me the way I want to be taken care of, then I will serve in your kingdom. That's the way we want to tend to do things. Look at what Jesus has to say here in John chapter 7. Jesus answered, His teachings are being challenged here. And he says, Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the One who sent me. Here it comes. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. I love it. What's Jesus say? You want to know if I've come from God? 
You want to know if my words are from the God, the Lord of the, of the world? You choose to do His will and you will find out. Guys, you've got to act first. It's, it's kind of like the, the Indiana Jones movie. What was it? The leap of faith? The bridge of faith? What it was? You got to take a step before you realize the bridge was there. And that's really what we're talking about here, guys. You have got to choose. I want to do the will of God. Guys, too many times in the world today, we want God to serve us. That's the complete opposite of what God wants. And it's what we say, God, if you will serve me, if you will take care of my needs the way I want them met, I will believe in you. There's a story in the Old Testament about a, uh, he was a, 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 he wasn't a, wasn't a member of the Jewish nation. His name was Naaman. He was a commander in, in a foreign army and he got leprosy. And he, they said, go, go send him to Elisha and, and he'll tell you what to do. There's a prophet. And Elisha didn't even come to the door. <laughs> I mean, it was c- kind of comical. He says, oh, go, go tell him to go rinse seven, to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And Naaman, it says, went away mad. And he says, and his servant's talking to him. He says, what's the problem here? He goes, well, I figured he'd come out and wave his hand over me and, you know, dance a jig. You know, he, he was expecting something specific. And he was going to be miraculously healed. And the guy didn't do it. He wasn't going to, do, or he wasn't going to do it because Elisha didn't do what he thought. And his servant reasons with him and says, you know, if he would have told you to do something big, and if he had told you to do something fantastic, you would have done it, right? Why not just do this simple thing? And Naaman went and did what the prophet said, and he was healed. I guys, I love that story because it illustrates, I believe so plainly, how most times we come to God and we already have an idea of what we want Him to do and how we want Him to do it. And what Jesus is saying here is that it's not how it works. You choose to do His will and then you find out. Then you will find out. You see, guys, the Bible isn't a philosophy book that teaches you how to get the most out of life. It does help. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But that's not what its goal is. Otherwise, if that's the case, there's a whole lot of people in the Bible that God owes an apology to. You go read Hebrews 11 and you'll find out about them. And you go talk to the early Christians and you find out about how great their life was being persecuted by Nero. Guys, you've got to choose to obey Him. You see, guys, that's a big condition. Most of us want to wait to obey Him till we know. Till we know. There's a passage in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 I want to read to you. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, 
without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Why do I have that, guys? Because I really want to emphasize the Bible is the Word of God has a purpose that He chose. And we run into trouble when we approach the Bible to fulfill a purpose that I choose. Guys, you've got to choose to do the will of God, as Jesus said. The fourth thing, if you want to know the Bible is the Word of God, is you need to live a transformed life. You see, guys, that's what happens when you choose to do the will of God, you become a different person than what you are. When you choose to follow the words of Jesus and to deny yourself and to give up your own life, which I believe means you give up your dreams, your ambitions, your beliefs in how the world works. You die to what you want. You become a different person. Guys, I'll make a bold statement here. I've made it before. And I am 100% confident in saying it. God wants to change you. God wants to change you into somebody that you're not right now. And I'm not trying to scare you. Go, oh, crap, am I not okay right now? Well, that depends on if you're willing to let Him change you or not. That depends on if you are being changed. Look at this passage. We've looked at it several times. It just is so, it's so plain. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, I will tell you right now, I've been asked many times, how do you know the will of God? Two things about it. One is you got to be transformed. Two is the will of God is that He transforms you. He is trying to transform you. You want to become a different person, a better person. You choose to do the will of God as laid out in the Bible and you will find. You want your faith to be stronger and to increase. You want to believe in God more. You want to believe. You live a transformed life. You see, guys, in Galatians, just in closing out here, this is what Paul says. They were having an argument in Galatia. They were having an argument. There were some teachers coming in saying you have to obey certain parts of the law 
specifically the law of circumcision. And this is what it says. It says, For neither is circumcision anything of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, which is the result of a new birth, a spiritual transformation, a new nature in Christ Jesus. You see, what he's saying is, guys, what you do, what rules you follow, what laws you pay attention to is of no concern unless you are new creation. Unless you are transformed by God. Guys, I believe with all my heart that the Bible is God's Word. That's been challenged in my life over my 55 years. I've had my questions over the years. I don't know if I've ever really had a doubt. I want to say maybe I have. But I'm standing before you right now at 55, never more sure of myself. And the more I examine God's Word, the more I test Him, the more I am live a transformed life, and I choose to do His will, the more sure I am. If you are interested in knowing if the Word of God is really from Him, if the Bible is really God's Word, the question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And guys, that's the challenge I want to leave you with today. What are you doing with the Word of God? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you've, for, I thank you for your faithfulness. Father, you have said to test you by obeying. Father, you said if I choose to do your will, I'll learn. Father, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And Father, I believe any follower of yours needs to be at least moving in that direction. Needs to be looking at Your Word constantly. Father, needs to be understanding it. Needs to be seeking You. Needs to be obeying what it says. Needs to have this desire to be transformed into new creation by Your definition. Father, that's what Your Word tells us. And Father, I believe with all my heart that that is where You want us to be. Father, I pray right now for every heart in this room to be in that place to test, to be in that place to examine. And Father, I thank You for the faithfulness that You will show. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.